you are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 11th of February. Jazz sweep the Texas two-step with an offensive explosion in Dallas, led by the bench play. We'll talk about Emmanuel Moutier and Jordan Clarkson's outing. What about the Jazz blowing big leads? Is that true? And where do the Jazz sit after acquiring Jordan Clarkson and what is real? It's all coming up plus a Time Machine Tuesday. It's locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. Happy birthday to my baby girl who's 15, which means she's not a baby, which means my year-long crisis about my upcoming birthday only continues. All right, it's a beautiful day outside, blue sky, shouldn't worry about the fact that I'm decrepit. Uh, the Jazz, though, are 2-0 and on this road trip, and that makes you happy, as the Jazz are able to pull off the really nice win in Dallas without Luka. That's a team, we talked about it yesterday, the question was going to be whether or not the Jazz would be able to have an offensive solid game. Uh, despite the fact they're on a back-to-back because they were playing a team that could really score. And the offense rating in the first quarter was a 133. The offensive rating in the second quarter was a 162. In other words, the Jazz scored 1.6 points per possession in the second quarter of the game at halftime. They had a 148 offensive rating and a 102 defensive rating. They were really... Pretty exceptional. The second half, the defense fell apart, allowed a 138 defensive rating, and the offense was actually not very good. So I think they did run out of gas in the second half. I think the fatigue, these guys are spent. Uh, Donovan's spent. Rudy's spent. Rudy would probably disagree with me because he'll never admit any type of weakness. Um, These guys guys are exhausted. Um, And I think the whole league is. I, I don't think it's just us, but I do think... You know, I think the win streak uh, took a little out of them. I think the quest for Donovan and Rudy to become All-Stars took a little out of them. I think the uh, playing without Mike Conley for that lengthy period of time, that's the impact of injuries. That's that's what I saw to Dallas last night. They've been actually okay 3-3 three and three without Luka, and their offense has been a 119 offensive rating, and so they've actually been okay. But last night, they just looked... At some point when you're playing without your best guy, it wears you out and you get tired. And that's what I saw from Dallas last night. And I think that's where we are. I think the the 20 games without Mike Conley just took a little bit out of everybody. Royce is dinged. Joe gave everything he had against Harden, managed through last night's ballgame. So, you know, we got one more to go. and, And then I think these guys are pretty excited. And dang, are we in a good position. We're 35 and 18. It's pretty, pretty fabulous. That was a big win, both those wins. One, Houston, you tie the season series, only playing them three times this year with the next game coming at home. Uh, first, second game back from the break on February 22nd. And then the next one, then Dallas, we now win the season series with only three games against Dallas. The next one coming on March 26th in Dallas. So that that's those are big, big wins uh, on this road trip for the Jazz. But last night was just an offensive explosion. The Jazz for the, the ball game, it's hard to believe that they actually could be better. Um, the offensive rating was the 
eighth best of the season at a 152.2. They haven't been that good since they throttled the Warriors and throttled the Kings um, and the Wizards. And then the best one of the year was against the Knicks at home uh, and the Pelicans. There was kind of a stretch there where the Jazz were putting down their elite offensive performance as they went back to it last night against a not very good uh, offensive team. Defensively, obviously, that was not a very good performance. It was our 47th best defensive performance. As But that's a great offensive team. Like That's what Dallas does. We kept Dallas to their average. And as of right now, frankly, I'm not totally convinced that we're a more than average defensive team. We'll talk about that. Um, and you know, I think that's going to be the question for us as we move forward in the second half of the season is can we be more than an average defensive team? Uh, the lineup of Clarkson, O'Neal, Gobert, Bogdanovich, and Mitchell was just incredible last night. Their effective field goal percentage when they were on the floor was 90%. The offensive rating was a 134. Clarkson, Mitchell, O'Neal, Bogdanovich, Gobert last night. That lineup was just brilliant. The starting lineup actually that had been so good, struggled last night, largely because it had a bad third quarter. I think they just came out dead. But that was an interesting matchup because both teams, starting lineups, Jazz without Clarkson and Dallas actually without Luka, their starting lineup that they came out with to start the game had been brilliant. Um, they then didn't play it in the second half the same way. They they switched up lineups on the Jazz in the second half and they... Um, they came at the Jazz a little bit different after the Jazz, again, used Rudy Gobert in a unique manner. Just the great scouting of this coaching staff. Uh, Maxi Kleba, who is a little bit more of a roller, a little bit more of a rim attacker than Chris Dapps Przingis. So they had Gobert start the game on guarding uh, Maxi Kleba, and it screwed up the Dallas Mavericks and what they were doing. Uh, instead, what it did... Uh, for the Mavericks is it had Rudy still being able to hang in the paint and Chris Depps Porzingis uh, did not, you know, did not start, did not look nearly as comfortable as he did. And so when they, they opened up, they got out of it pretty quickly uh, in the third quarter, in the third quarter, they started that lineup again to open the third, uh, but Dorian Finney-Smith only lasted a few minutes. Uh, actually, Maxi Kleber did not start the third quarter. Excuse me. They started Jalen Brunson and Seth Curry, because they to get out of that lineup to open up the third quarter after the Jazz throttled it, and that's where they had such uh, success against the Jazz. So uh, kind of an interesting little cat and mouse game every night. You know, the Jazz, uh, it's interesting to me, this last three games, the, and, and in this stretch, the three probably best offense, four best offensive coaches in the NBA are probably Nick Nurse in Toronto, Quinn obviously here, but then Terry Stotts, Mike D'Antoni, and Rick Carlisle are all thought of as top elite level, top level offensive creative coaches. There was a and, and just great coaches. There was a lot of uh, there was a lot of interesting kind of cat and mouse games the last few days. I thought Mike D'Antoni's adjustments. We didn't get into it yesterday, but they're the X's and O's adjustments they made against Gobert dropping off Westbrook and some of the low picks they set were really smart and just showed you how great the coaching staff um, on each side is. Uh, Jordan Clarkson led a lot of what we're talking about last night. He is just incredible right now. Um, it is it is quite a pickup. The eight assists last night are probably the most impressive part about the game to me. Uh, we had talked about earlier how he was playing well and the rest of the team was not when he was on the floor. Uh, since the San Antonio game, when he went back home and kind of exploded, the last seven games is averaging 22 points, three rebounds, two assists, shooting 55% from the floor, 49% from three. 
He's averaging 22 points in 27 minutes a game. That is remarkable. The other thing that's remarkable is just how his shot selection has evolved. So he's just getting to the rim at an incredible rate and finishing 77% of the time. Now that's, I think, because of Rudy. Now last year, he finished at 66%, which was high. He had definitely improved at it. But what I think that is, is that he gets in the lane and Rudy's with him and they don't want to leave the big because we float around and he's so crafty that he's able to get these shots off. It's also probably unnaturally high. 77% is LeBron James territory. Um, The other one that's going on with him is the Jazz offense is a little different. So he's been a pretty good corner three shooter at times in his career. He's now taking 31% of his three-point attempts in the corner where he's shooting 44% on corner threes. He shot 42% in Cleveland earlier this year. He shot 35 last year, but didn't get very many of them. The year prior in Cleveland, when LeBron was there, he shot 26% of his corner threes. That's the only other time he's been this high in his career. The only other time he's been over 20% of his threes being corner threes was in against when he was with LeBron in Cleveland. So that makes some sense. And he was 54% on those. He's 44% right now. Otherwise, he's actually not taken very many in his career. The other one is his shot distribution. So he used to really shoot long twos a huge amount. 15 in, in 17, 18, which was between LA and Cleveland, he shot 15% of his shots as threes, or as long twos. He took 28% that season of his shots as 10, to, 10 feet or to the three-point line, so kind of out of the paint twos. Uh, the year before, he had been at 31%. The year before that, he had been at 31%. For the Jazz, he's at 9%. I mean, that's an that's a stark, incredible difference in his shot selection. So if you go back to when he's 23 and 24 in L.A., and even 25 between L.A. and Cleveland, he is taking between 28 and 30% of his shots as long twos. He's now taking 9% of his shots as long twos. He had done this in Cleveland already. He had gone to 10% in Cleveland, but we're seeing the effectiveness of it now and just a relentlessness to getting to the rim. What's interesting is he's not actually taking that many shots from zero to three feet. He's really taking it from like three to five feet, which, and he's been just brilliant. It doesn't necessarily count as a restricted area. It can actually be kind of paint non-restricted area, but that's where he's having his, hey, we'll dig into that a little bit more as we continue. Valentine's Day is coming to you like this weekend. So it's time to go to Spa Via. Valentine's Day is on Friday. It is time to go to Spa Via and Sandy, 104 South State Street. They will give you the spa experience for half the price and even less if you tell them you're with Locked On Jazz. It's a great setup. It's there right at Sandy, 104 South State Street. They've done a beautiful job to give you that resort feeling, that escapism, that feeling that you're being pampered, uh, Great gifts for your wife. Give her, right now we have a deal. If you buy two gift cards, you get a third one for free. So they have a great esthetician lineup. So get her gift card for the esthetician as well as for a massage. And then you can get the third gift card for yourself. If you want to go get a deep tissue massage or if you're an athlete and want to try to perform a little bit better, use massage to your benefit. Or if you're just me and getting really old and see it's the crisis again uh, and want to make yourself feel a little bit better, 
I'm telling you, the crisis is out of control. I'm, I'm doing massage. I'm doing cryotherapy. I'm doing everything I can. It's pure crisis. Uh, anyway, Spa Via, give them a call. 801-424-7566. That's 801-424-7566. Spa Via, 104 South State Street. Get Buy two gift certificates. Gets the third one for free. It gives you the resort experience at the Fancy Dancy Resorts for half the price. You'll truly enjoy it. It's Spa Via. Trying to get your body back in shape, get rolling a little bit, or you want to get it with a little less expense, well, echelonfit.com will help you out. Discover the EX1 connected fitness bikes that offer high-quality at-home cycling experience at less than half the price of Peloton. Echelon makes beautifully engineered products for everyone, busy moms and dads, first responders, elite athletes. Whatever your activity level, with daily live and on-demand studio classes right in your home, you'll never have to step foot in a gym. You'll love Echelon, but if you aren't 100% satisfied, Echelon will give you your money back. That's right. You'll love Echelon. So don't pay a ton for Peloton. Buy an Echelon bike today for under $1,000. Go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A to learn more about the limited time offer free apple ipad and complete details on this exclusive offer echelon it's your time that's e-c-h-e-l-o-n fit.com slash l-o-n-b-a echelon fit.com slash l-o-n-b-a a little bit more on jordan clarkson and then i want to talk about leads so if you look at jordan clarkson's just shooting this year like where's he doing this how's he doing this what's he doing It's pretty interesting. We just talked about how much he's just incredibly changed his shot chart as a player. Inside five feet, he's taken 175 shots for 63%. Inside eight feet, he's taken 222 of his 622 shots for for 60% for the season. Now let's go to since he's joined the Jazz. Since Jordan Clarkson has joined the Jazz, and he is just great right now he's taken 300 shots 296 let's go with 300 80 of them have been inside five feet he's shooting 60 percent 105 of the 300 are within eight feet and he's shooting 63 percent he has taken just 20 non-paint area twos Out of his 300 shots, he has taken just 20 non-paint area twos. That's great. I mean, that these are the shots he was taking, nearly 30% of his shots. And since he's come to Utah, he's now taking 7% of his shots in that range. Talk about the threes, left corners is spot. He's 17 of 30. Is above the break, three is 33%. It's nothing special. It's off the bounce, three is not very good. Doesn't matter. It's getting better. It's actually, to his credit, his off the bounce, three has taken a nice little turn to the correct direction. He's up to 32%. It's not great. His catch and shoot three, 41%. He has just been a fabulous, fabulous find and changed who we are as a team. Since... Jordan Clarkson has joined the Jazz. This is pretty important stuff here. Since Jordan Clarkson has joined the Jazz, on the twenty four on the twenty fourth of December, really the twenty played his first game, I think, on the twenty sixth. But let's go with the twenty fourth. The Utah Jazz are seventeen and six. 
They have the number one offense in the NBA. This is for 23 games at a 119 offensive rating, 118.6. Their defense is the 13th ranked defense in the NBA. Okay, that we'd like that to improve. And their net rating over that time period is now the third best in the NBA. They got passed by Toronto last night. Toronto's 19 and 5 in that stretch. The Jazz are 17 and 6. The Lakers are 16 and 6. The Clippers are f- the Memphis Grizzlies are 16 and 6. The Clippers are 15 and 6. The Thunder are 17 and 7. The Pelicans are 14 and 8. Denver, by the way, despite having no differential, should be mentioned they're 17 and 8. And Dallas is 13 and 12, despite having a great differential. So the Jazz have the best record in the NBA Western Conference since adding Jordan Clarkson. I'm not sure that they're the best team. The schedule has done some things. You got Dallas without Luka last night. Um, but, and lost a bunch of games we feel like they should have won, but I don't know you actually do win. I think that, I think we lost two games we should have won. But then we didn't lose any games in the stretch against inferior teams. But we probably should have won either at San Antonio or at Portland, and we probably should have beat Portland. I should have beat the Rockets at home um, and should have beat Denver. So three games. We lost three games we probably shouldn't have in that stretch. Hard to believe, though, in that in this stretch that you're really going to go 20-3. and three. But it's a pretty interesting run right there to look at this team. 23 games now with Jordan Clarkson which is getting to be a pretty substantial sample size of who you are. Now, the only thing I would say, and I've always believed this, you, and this is where I love that the Jazz made their move early. The first 20 games are a much better indicator of who you are as a team than the last 20 or the middle 20. I mean, right now teams are injured and resting and tired, and there's all sorts of other intangibles going on. And so that's a better way to look at it, except for we don't have that sample size. So to some extent, you almost have to take the Jazz 23 games here to look at the first, compare everybody else to the first 20 of the season and look where everybody was. And then you have a better look. Last night, the Jazz were up by 21 late in the second. They were up 20 or 23 late in the second, 21 at the half, and it got down to three. And the Jazz have blown a lead again. The Jazz have blown a lead again. Drone on and on, people. I'm sure it wasn't you, but I've heard it a lot. It's not true. Okay? Let's talk. Let's actually have some data to back up complaining. Okay? Last year, when teams take a 10-point lead in the NBA, they win 77% of the time. At any point in the time, you take a 10-point lean, you win 77% of the time. The Jazz were 48-10 and 10 when they had a 10-point lead, won 83% of the time. This year, when in the NBA, when you take a 10-point lead, you win 75% of the time. The Jazz are 26-5, or 84%. So they're nine percentage points better this year than the league average, and they're six percentage points better than the rest of the league when they're up by 10. Does anybody blow leads more than the Utah Jazz? That's how it sounds to me on Twitter when it comes to me. If you lead by 15 or more in the fourth, which the Jazz did last night, the league is 402 and eight. You don't lose 
We weren't going to lose last night. There was never a moment in time where I thought we were going to lose last night. It just doesn't happen. Okay? Like, it just doesn't happen. If you have a 15-point lead at any point in the year, at any point in the game, last year teams won nine, teams won 86% of the time. This year they've won 87% of the time. Over the last two years, last year and this year, when the Utah Jazz take a 15-point lead at any point in time in a game, they are 58-4. and four. They win 94% of those games. The league average is 87. 58-4 if we lead by 15 at any point in time. If someone leads by 20 at any point in time, which we did last night, obviously if it's in the second or first quarter, the numbers drop if it's in the fourth quarter, but let's just go overall. Last year, the league won... The league last year in 1819 was 491 and 28 or 95%. The Utah Jazz were 29 and 0. This year the league is 314 and 15 when they lead by when anyone leads by 20 or again 95%. So it happens. Every five out of every 100 games, someone loses one of these leads. It happened last night. San Antonio lost it to Denver. San Antonio became the only second team along with Memphis to lose two of them this year. The Jazz are 17-0. and 0. So over the last two years, the Jazz are 46-0 and 0 when they lead by 20 or more. Oh, here we go again. The Jazz blowing the lead. Right? It's not true. None of that's true. I know. Fun to play. Woe is me. It's not true. When the Jazz have led by 20 or more over the last three seasons, they are 67 and 0. Okay, it also means it's coming to get us here pretty soon, by the way. 67-0 and over the last three seasons when leading by 20. And we just gave you the number of when they lead by 15 or more. They're great. We don't, it's not true. We are 58 and four if we lead by 15 or more over the last two seasons. Should I do it again? Or is it really just so obnoxious I should never do it again? It was unbecoming of me. That's how Twitter sounds. Have you ever thought about that? Like what, Twitter always sounds like that. By the way, you want to stretch the Jazz out a little bit on that one? On the 15-point lead? I can do that for you, too. The Utah Jazz are 90-6 and over the last three years if they lead by 15 in a game. We didn't almost lose last night. We didn't blow the lead. That's how games work. 
The reason you get a 20-point lead is so that when they go on a run, you're still up by five. I hate to have jinxed this. I hope I have not. Murdoch Hyundai is located at 4646 South State Street. They are excited to have you as a customer, and they're excited about their products right now. The Palisade I'm driving at the current time has got everything you could imagine to it. It's got every bell, every whistle, every thought. I don't know. Maybe it seems really basic, but to me, the USB ports in the back for the kids to charge and in the third row of seats, having one as well is just a sign that they're looking into everything. The door not opening if a car is coming, automatically shutting for safety purpose, is a sign that they're looking for each and every single thing. Plus the way it drives, the value you get for your dollar. That's what's the signature of Hyundai, is the safety, the bells and whistles, the well-made car, and all of the nice bells and whistles you get for a reasonable price. The Jazz... Uh, the, Murdoch Hyundai is located at 4646 South State Street. They're also located in Linden, and they're located at Logan. Here's what I want you to do as a Locked On Jazz listener. I want you to email me at dlock09 at gmail.com before you're heading over to Murdoch Hyundai, and we will take care of you and set up a meeting so that when you go in, maybe you'll be one of the Aiken kids, the sons of the great Kathy Aiken of KSL Television, who worked down in Linden. Maybe you'll be Jason Creech, the father of the superstar mountain bike uh, rider, uh, and ski racer in the uh, 46-46. Maybe it'll be Ben Murdoch up in Logan helping you out. Who knows? We'll set you up with someone. We'll have them waiting for you when you walk in, give you that VIP treatment, make it a super experience for you, and let you check out the Hyundai. I'm not telling you how to spend your money, but I am telling you that considering the value Hyundai brings, you probably should take the time to at least add it to your list of cars. Stop by Murdoch Hyundai, 4646 South State Street, also in Logan and in Linden. You know what time it is? It's Time Machine Tuesday. I got a great note from someone that said, I'm a new jazz fan and Time Machine Tuesday is my favorite. All right. Well, that makes me happy. I got a listener out of it. I was going to say I should get something for that. I should get like a free coffee. I should get something, but I got a listener. All right, here we go. Let's see what I pulled. I pulled a blank piece of paper. Let's do it again. There literally is a box. They're literally ripped up little tiny pieces of paper. I'm literally closing my eyes. I take this very seriously. We have 86. So the 85-86 season for Time Machine Tuesday. We go to the 1985-86 season. Frank Layden is the head coach of your Utah Jazz. The Jazz would finish that year at 42 and 40, making our third playoff appearance. We would lose we would lose in the first round to the Dallas Mavericks. Rolando Blackman had 25 in game one to beat us 1-193. We lost game two in Dallas despite Malone's 31, 113 to 106. Came home to beat them 101-98 behind Ricky Green's 32. But Sam Perkins knocked us out of the playoffs in the best of five series in the 1986. Wait a sec. Did I get 86? I pulled 86, right? Yeah, 86 playoffs. All right. Adrian Dantley led us that year, averaging 30 points a game. The mailman averaged 15. Thurl Bailey averaged 15. Ricky Green averaged 12. And John Stockton started 38 games and averaged eight points and seven assists a game as a 23-year-old. 
The mailman was 22 at the time. I'm trying to, let me, let's look and see what they did on February 11th. I should have chosen, I should have fixed Time Machine Tuesday and chosen 2005 for my baby girl. The Jazz lost on February 11th, 1986 to the Seattle Supersonics. 105 to 92, the Sonics were bad. The Sonics were 18 and 33. The Jazz lost to go to 25 and 28 under Frank Layden. Jazz started Ricky Green, Bobby Hansen, Adrian Dantley, Carl Malone, and Mark Eaton. This might have been when all the turmoil was going on. Thurl Bailey at 13. Pace Mannion, the father of Nico Mannion, the star point guard at Arizona, came off the bench for four. John Stockton played 18 minutes. By the way, this is the age that Donovan Mitchell is right now. Jeff Wilkins had 10. Supersonics that year had Jack Sigma drop 19 points, 19 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, and 2 blocks. Wow. Gerald Henderson went 6 of 15. Danny Young, Xavier McDaniel, and Tom Chambers. Tommy Chambers had 13 points, 5 turnovers, and 8 rebounds that game. Danny Vrains, I believe was the great Utah player, uh, Played for the Sonics in that game. Sonics won it by the final score of 105 to 92. They blast the Jazz in the fourth quarter, 30 to 21 for the loss. Frank Layden beside himself after the game. I don't know if that's true. The Jazz had kind of just been had only never had not won more than two in a row at any point in that season, really for a while. They they at one point were 16 and 11, then went on a five game losing streak, won a game against Seattle and lost five more. So the Jazz lost 10 of 11 with Adrian Dantley, Carl Malone, and John Stockton. Like, it's funny because, you know, frankly, I've been a Jazz fan my whole life. I'm 16. I'm, I don't know if you know this, but I'm about to turn 50 because I can't stop talking about it because I can't be more obsessed and bothered by it. Um, so I'm 16, right? Like, I barely remember this season. I kind of remember the whole scenario. So you actually have to be, like, 50 years old to remember Stockton and Malone as a rookie. It's why, it, and this is great, I love that this happens. Like, these guys are flawless now in our minds. That They never did anything wrong. They, they were absolutely perfect. And, you know, they've they've taken major, you know, they've, and that's who they are. Like, we don't remember them at 23 and 24 struggling. That team hit its stride late in the year. They were 30, their, their low point, I don't know if it was a low point, but they, they got to 34 and 33 and 35 and then finished the year uh, by winning eight of their final 13 before losing in the playoffs to the Dallas Mavericks. Should have done 2005. I was still in Seattle at the time. I was not the radio voice um, of the team when on February 11th, but I'm assuming I didn't uh, work. And we did not uh, we did not plan things for All Star Break. If you're wondering, um, I don't know if you were wondering. Uh, that was the year the Jazz went 26 and 56. So we didn't actually want to look at that. That wouldn't have actually been a happy story to tell. Um, and the Jazz on that February 11th played the Minnesota Timberwolves and won. See, they rung in my daughter's life with a 182 win over Latrell Sprewell, Kevin Garnett, Wally Zerbiak, and the crew. All right, that is Locked On Jazz today. Hope you're doing great. Carlos Boozer had 21. Andre Karolinko had 20. 
Raja Bell had 18. Raul Lopez had 14. Matt Harpring had six off the bench. All right, that is Locked on Jazz. Thanks very much for tuning in. Thanks to Echelon for sponsoring today's show. You can go to echelon.com slash L-O-N-B-A, echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. Spa Via is there for you as well, 801-424-7566, and email me if you're stopping by Murdoch Hyundai. Have a great one. Let's see. It's a Tuesday. That means Rejecting the Screen just came out with a new episode. So tell your smart device to play podcast, Rejecting the Screen.